and welcome to El Verado and Mac Show, the podcast that's all about Mac football and not Mac football. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for joining today. It's Wednesday, April 14th. There's 140 days until kickoff. Got a couple former Mac football greats to hit on this episode, and joining me to talk about them is a former Maction blogger at Hustle Belt, former NIU beat writer for the DeKalb Daily Chronicle, and currently the co-star of Mac Football Forever on YouTube. It's Caleb Carter. Caleb, what's up, dude? Can you not get enough of me? Is that what this is? I can't get enough. I can't get enough. We are vaccinated. That's true. I can't get enough. This is factual. I can't get enough. I don't think I had COVID. <laughs> I do. Part of me wonders, like, so am I able to get an antibody test and you just found out, like, ah, oh, yeah, you had it somewhere between, like, May and July 2020? Or we're able to pinpoint that now. And, oh, okay. Hope I didn't hurt anybody. I know, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, you got – so you got your second shot today, right? I did. Okay, we're recording on Tuesday, but today is Wednesday. So legally you got poked on Tuesday, but it was your second shot, so that's good. And you don't feel anything, right? You feel good? I felt good. Usually I don't feel anything. Oh, well, that's depressing. (laughs) No, it's like, uh, I don't, I can't really separate the daily tiredness of coming home from work versus the tiredness from a shot. So I'm sure in a few hours, I will have a better idea of whether there's like a very strong reaction. I got that Moderna, Moderna gang. What's up? That's Just it. living a Moderna lifestyle. Moderna man. That's good for you, man. Yeah, I uh, yeah I got my shot. I felt good. Uh, girlfriend, she she should be getting her second shot pretty soon too, man. I mean, it's it's pretty good. And if you're listening and you're a little bit on the fence about it, quit being on the fence and go go sign up right now. Go, it's easy. How did you get yours? Well, I shouldn't say it's easy. I don't know where you're living. Yeah, seriously. How did you get yours before she did? Uh, I am an essential worker, so to speak. In a, in a, in a, in a way. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at least I work more in the hot spots. She, uh, will probably be working from home permanently pretty soon. Well, fancy. But Kale, I wanted to bring you on this, uh, the show today because, you know, we were talking a little bit yesterday cause I was doing some reading, uh, on, you know, one of the former quarterbacks in Northern Illinois history name being George Bork. Fucking fantastic name. Great name. Uh, But you were the beat writer there. Did people talk about George Bork in your, what, year and a half there? So Bork is the name that would come up if you were either in athletics or, you know, you were like a townie or somebody who's lived in the forever. So it's not like people thought, oh, you know, the great storied players in NIU history, like if that conversation came up, Bork's name didn't come up because he wasn't at the immediate forefront of the mind. Uh, maybe he should be, given some of the things I've read about him over time. And I sp- spent enough time, admittedly, on the message boards, the dog pound for NIU, to see that some people would bring him up from time to time. Uh, Mike Corsick, the, the longtime SID for about 40 years until about uh, up until about a decade ago, had tried to catalog some of Bork's experiences and was really good about providing historical context to what the Huskies had accomplished over time. So, so there's stuff that popped up as a result of what uh, Mike Corsick had posted on like his Facebook that I had seen and then just 
had made its way into the paper as well. So to see the types of numbers, you know, over 3,000 yards passing, and you'll have more of them, obviously, in a, ti- in a time like that in the early 60s, and to do it out of – they did it out of the wing tee, didn't they, or did they do – It was some sort of – it was like a blitz tee, I think, that, that they called it, but they did, did like do like a lot of shotgun, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of that stuff. So they were like ahead of their time. And you did say like, you know, 3,000 yards. He was the first – like first guy in college football history at any level, small college, big college uh, in Costa Rica – First one ever to throw for 3,000 yards in a single season. Did that his senior year uh, in 1963, which helped NIU see a lot of success and get NIU. And it ultimately catapulted NIU into the D1A, like 1A ranks. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, NIU had a long period of, you know, no success uh, going through much of the 70s, 80s, 90s. And then, you know, found that really in the early 2000s, finally, obviously they had a couple big uh, wins over the likes of Alabama against Maryland. And that's the type of stuff that's kind of seen as like them jumping, the jumping off point for what has become like a, almost like a dynasty in DeKalb. And, and I use seen that was a dynasty really if you really consider it, but uh, not anymore. Um, that expectations are so high historically. And I think that they, in, in another universe, they would probably highlight somebody like George Bork more. Like he would be, you know, really played out on like all the programs. Like we you know one of the, the first passer in college football history to reach 3,000 yards. And right. Um, Especially these days, man. Like yeah. when like 3,000 yards is like kind of the standard you want guys living up to, I would be pimping out George Bork all the time. Be like, hey, we invented it. Yeah. You know who done it first? Except now when you're like, hmm. Uh, do we want to try to throw for 5,000 yards in DeKalb, Illinois? The answer is not, no, no, not, not really. Uh, because you're good, good chance on a Thursday night in December, uh, you're going to have 20 mile per hour winds and sideways rain and corn stalks flying in your face through your face mask. So to, for, to see that Bork did that at that time, I wish I'd uncovered more video. Maybe I need to look a little bit harder yeah. to see what that looked like. Yeah, so to give people like an overview of who the hell this guy is, George Bork was a local guy, Mount Prospect, Illinois. Actually, how far away is Mount Prospect from De- from uh, DeKalb? It's actually closer to where I live in Evanston than uh, DeKalb. So it's, I think I, 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 when I drove to Mount Prospect for a football game from DeKalb, it was about a 45, 50 minute drive. Okay. I'm still going to call him local because he's within the vicinity. So uh, within an hour's drive, Mount Prospect, Illinois, Arlington High School, uh, class of 1960, was a three-sport athlete and was really, really, really good uh, at pretty much all of them. His best sport being basketball. Uh, he was really good at football. Senior year, had 1,000 yards passing, which was you know big deal at the time. Uh, I mean, this is the 50s. In basketball, he led his conference in scoring and actually like up the conference record his senior year, I believe. And baseball, he was a 300 hitter, so... Had a lot going for him, but basketball was his best sport. Uh, had a lot of colleges, 30, according to the Addison Register, a local newspaper uh, that I read. About 30 colleges asked him to play basketball for their school, but he narrowed down the list to two, and it was NIU and Michigan. Michigan wanted him for hoops only. NIU wanted him for both. And it wasn't like it came down to it for like those two reasons. He had a bunch of other different reasons. In conversations with one of his high school coaches, Al Eck, he 
you know, Alec was, I think it said like he was like a former like small school, all American defensive end or something like that. Uh, but he played football and talking to him a lot kind of just swayed Bork into, you know, at first I didn't want to play college football, but, but now I kind of do now, you know, now, now I'm kind of convinced that it might be the right move for me to at least be open to it and playing both. I uh, went to NIU to play both sports. He didn't start right away. The, the quarterback at the time, his name, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. His name is Tom Beck. Uh, Tom Beck was the quarterback, but the coaches knew that Bork was so good at throwing the ball that Beck was like, yeah, I don't care if I have to change positions. That's fine. That's fine, coach. You can, you can do that. And he eventually went over the starting quarterback job as a sophomore. Um, meanwhile, he was still doing really good for NIU basketball. It was a, until like his junior year in 1962 when he started throwing the ball a lot more. Uh, he went through 51 attempts as a freshman to 121 as a sophomore to 356 pass attempts. Uh, in 1962, completed 65% of them for 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns. Uh, senior year, like we said, 3,000 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And also in 63, he was the first, uh, let's see, I think he was the first player in school history. I don't know what other histories, but he was an All-American in both sports in 1963 in basketball and football. That shit is awesome. There's a lanky six foot one, 180 pound uh, <laughs> dude from uh, the Burbs, which when the Burbs hardly existed really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I like, I mean, looking through some other stuff too, like I found the types of things like there's an old S sports illustrated article from 19, I think it was 1963 from mm-hmm. Uh, Gwillem Brown in their vault and it's like detailing another dazzling week that's drawn attention to George Bork basically doing so completed 27 of 45 passes for 371 yards and four touchdowns and then it says Bork has now thrown for more passes 834 and completed more 534 for more yardage 6366 and more touchdowns 58 than any college player in history so to oh see God. those numbers all kind of like stand out. And at that time, those were records of all sorts is kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because yeah. it's like the, the more I look through this article, the more it's like, yeah, he broke the record this and he broke the single season record and he broke the career record and he leads everybody and <laughs> just goes on and on and on. And then it starts to go on about his, um, his pro prospects, what scouts thought about him at the time. Scouts were coming to DeKalb. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's not uncommon now. Like growing right. up in a press box for a game, you'd just like, oh, look, the Lions are here. The Giants are here. Packers are here. Uh, they sent a scout, but to see that people were going to DeKalb in the sixties for a quarterback who threw for 3000 yards, who most NIU fans probably haven't even heard of is kind of, it's kind of loony to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, spoiler alert, he ended up playing just a little bit of CFL mm-hmm. ended up in the same decade. He ended up coming back to the high school he graduated from and was like a, like an athletic director. So, and at the time, like, that's like the dream you become like the shit has, <laughs> your high school's like best athlete then you go to college do it there at the small school and you come back to high school and be like I think a glorified coach for every day of the year that's pretty awesome it's kind of um, without going into details too much that's kind of what like a distant cousin of mine did at my high school he was an all-american basketball player at ohio state in the 60s um came back and was the athletic director until he passed away oh 
Well, it's that wasn't like, the ending I was hoping for. Well, no, but I mean, the, the dude was super impressive and he has like a really great story about him. That's something for another day, but. Oh, for sure. But, but it's like, it just, it is. It's to me, like, that seems like it would have been the dream back then. You go and he went and did college basketball where he's an All-American. He played with Jerry Lucas. He goes and plays pro ball for a few years. He comes back to his hometown, marries somebody from his hometown and, you know, has like the job at his high school as a coach and athletic director teaching little kids and stuff till he's till he till he passes so i mean sounds like he lived the dream when he was able to so for somebody like bork to do that that sounds that sounds rad like i'm kind of yeah. jelly kind of jelly yeah it's yeah it's yeah good life to live and like you know <laughs> he at the time graduated with a bunch of records if you open up niu's current records you're still going to see george bork way up there um 1963 in 1963, so he had the 10 and 0 season. It was a nine game regular season. Uh, the second to last game of the regular season, it was just a rocky comeback win against Western Illinois, and they were just not happy about it. Uh, and then they had to come back against Central in the regular season finale, and they were pissed. They were fired up. <laughs> Do you want to know what this guy's like stat line was for the Central game? Like how many please, please completions me. and attempts he had? Please tell me he tore them up. 43 of 68. <laughs> That's what nobody threw the ball that many times. That is still a record. Like those individual completions and attempts for a game, still a record in NIU. Uh, he's got the most touchdowns thrown in a game. He's got seven against Whitewater. That's okay. That's still funny to me that they also played Whitewater back then too. Wisconsin Whitewater now. It's a different uh, world, man. One of the, yeah, one of the Division three powerhouses. Uh, he holds the record in NIU for most 400-yard games thrown in a, right. in, a, in a season. It was this year for two. And for his career, he's got three, three total. While you guys are hearing all this too, like the description of the offense is also really amusing because I, I did find that as well. They lined up split split wing or split uh, wideouts and – when you hear people talk about old wide receivers, you hear like split ends. Like that was basically how they yeah, referred yeah, yeah. to them. And, uh-huh. and so they'd have two halfbacks. It says the fullback arrayed close behind the line of scrimmage and Bork and isolate as isolated as a tree on a bare prairie takes his station eight to 10 yards back of the center. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, the bare prairies. I think I've seen this like two other times where the quarterback was like lined up more than six yards back in the shotgun. And one of them was like old footage of my high school from the nineties. It says when Northern Illinois has the ball, there's little doubt that the play is a pass. Duh. Bork usually has five receivers breaking downfield. Dude, he's Mike Leach, Texas tech. Like <laughs> that's, that's Washington state circus 2018. Like that's what they're doing. <laughs> Just not spread out as much, which is hilarious. So they're, they have this larger-than-life, this next-generation offense in 1963, right? And they have all the success. They win the regular season. They're small college champs. They go 10-0. They win the Mineral Water Bowl. Nice. I just want to say it again. They won the Mineral Water Bowl. They were the number one small college team. And they used all – and people were so excited to see them. The capacity was like 7,500. And I mean, you know, you've been to DeKalb, you've seen what games are like, uh, on average, like attendances would float, attendances, attendances would float from like 5,000 to 10,000, especially in the championship run. And that's a lot of butts to cram in that little stadium. So once, so they took all that hype 
And by 1965, after Bork had already graduated, they built Husky Stadium, the one that you reported games from, Caleb. And it had a capacity of 22,500 people could fit in that thing if they so chose to. And they're putting all of those butts in every seat on Tuesday night, baby. Yeah, and uh, little do they know. Uh, And once they did that, they were like, and we're going to use this to go D1A, which they did, which they did. And I mean, that right there is like pretty much how it's done. You just get the prospect of a lifetime that very well could have just been like, you know what? Football's rough. I kind of want to play hoops at U of M. It's a nice school, pretty decent area I've heard of. Get away from home, live a pretty good life. They And if he would have done well at Michigan, they probably would have named like a freaking library or something after him. <laughs> like they would have named like something like, the street I used to work on, they could have named it Bork Road, but he Bork chose to go to NIU and only because like he had to be like convinced to do so. Right. They hit a lick, got a national championship out of it, got a stadium out of it, moved on up to D1A. And now 50 years later, they're still looking for the next George Bork. They've had a few of them, but only like it took a long time for them to get the next George Bork. Like it was not until really like Chandler Harnish came around and had that real success. And then Jordan Lynch pretty much at the same time right after that. Other level. Yeah. And like, even then, like it wasn't all the success story you want to see with that 22 and a half thousand capacity stadium. I mean, they were still, they were doing it then they're not doing it now, but how I would love, I would love to see what the game day game day environment for 20,000 people in DeKalb, Illinois in 1965 looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if right, exactly. I, I really want to know what that looks like. Cause like those aren't like, I don't think like they didn't really keep those records like too detailed, too physical and available for us to read like 50 years later. Right. But I can't imagine it's, it's all that great. I can't imagine they had, Oh, on average, we had 20,000 people show up every Saturday because of it. Like, no, I, I don't want to believe that. I just don't. And it's not like they, like, kept winning national championships after this either. Like, they still had, like, some rough spots. Like, the 90s were not kind to NIU. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's why it felt like even with just, you know, 24,000 in the stands when NIU was good again in 2011 and 2013 – it felt like a real uprising at that point because that was not something seen for a long time by like right. that generation of people going to NIU games in their 2010s. And yet look back 40 years and you've got one of the most impressive players in the country in a town that had 11,000 people at the time. The Calb isn't huge now. It's a quarter of the size. It was a quarter of the size at the time that George book was tearing up the college football record books compared to what it is now at about mm-hmm. 47,000 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I'm not trying to like damn anything or like have like an ultimate, like whatever conclusion out of it, no. but that is how history was made. They got lucky with a prospect, like a prospect of a lifetime and made the most out of it. That's how it happened. <laughs> and like, we're not even at this point, we're not even memorializing the guy. He still comes to NIU stuff. He's still yeah. like, as far as I understand it, a fixture of, sporting events and going to that stuff so if uh, somebody's trying to call him up after this maybe you should do it after listening to this uh, george 
Tell us some stories, my guy. <laughs> Caleb, we uh, just one more guy that I want to talk to you about. You know, we kind of wasted a lot. Of, I shouldn't say wasted a lot of breath. We had a lot to say about Bork, a guy that we had never met personally. Uh, we have a lot, little bit to say about someone that we also have never met, uh, Julian Edelman, who we talked about over on Mac Football Forever. So go ahead and watch more of, you know, a conversation about him and other NFL uh, Mac to NFL players that could be Hall of Fame candidates one day or not. Uh, but Julian Edelman, Kent State grad, he retired on Monday. You know, he was an un, not a typical pocket passing quarterback that the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world were or the George Borks of the world were. Julian Edelman was a runner and he ended up being a late draft pick by the Patriots, spent every bit of his career with that team since 2009 won three super bowls with the team had one of the best super bowl catches of all time in his time uh with the patriots the only jewish super bowl mvp caleb uh do you have any any thoughts on just this news of edelman retiring and what maybe he means to you or what he means to the mac i think it's the latest in an example of serviceable players and, and that's probably even that's cutting him short like saying he's serviceable because he i mean in a way has filled a role that no receiver has filled uh for a championship caliber team over the course of the last two decades or so good receivers have come and gone on very very good teams but for the patriots you identify edelman as one of the primary fixtures of that team over the course of the last like 12 years of his career or so and for that to happen for a speedy former quarterback out of uh, Kent State who got drafted in the seventh round, like, way to go and make a freaking career out of yourself. Like, mm-hmm. pro- probably exceeded his wildest expectations. He helped the MAC brand itself as the league that helps graduates 5'10 speedy white receivers into the <laughs> NFL one way or another. We got Edelman, got Scotty Miller, Matt Sexton signed with the Steelers. Ted Beebe. And, and like, it just goes to show, you know, like, that's like what. I mean, I hate how cliche it is, but it goes to show like how this hard work really did pay off for the guy because he was an afterthought at a lot of levels of his life, like out of high school, out of JUCO, out of college. He was putting up numbers, but a lot of teams are still like, meh, I'll pass. And then next thing you know, like the dynasty of all dynasties had like the most impressive postseason career out of this diamond in the rough i don't know like that's that's just kind of how i view him i don't have too huge of a connection to him or to kent state but i just i respect guys that annoy me a lot when i watch them because like he played on the team that i'm trying to root against all the time and he was really good and he made it really hard to root against yeah and there have been there have been a couple guys from the mac who have been fun to root against easy to hate who've made their way and played great careers in the nfl Mm -hmm. so edelman Props on being one of those guys, dude. You made a lot of people hate you. <laughs> yeah. That's some of the more memorable plays in like recent Super Bowl history. So props. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you are a noted Bengals fan. So uh, <laughs> Caleb, thanks again for, for joining the program today. Uh, do you want to plug your Twitter really quickly? I'll have it linked in the episode notes, but uh, for people that are driving. I mean, if you really want to look at like a bunch of like, 
random anime stuff and wrestling and you do a lot more than anime and wrestling like go ahead and like plug yourself and like tell <laughs> tell these people what you do because you're not just a mac guy either like you do yes. a lot of so work. uh you can find me on at, at caleb underscore m underscore carter on twitter uh i if you like if you're in the Illinois, if you're in illinois you like high school basketball or football or wrestling or softball i'll probably be tweeting about it college basketball um politics current events etc etc <laughs> i write for wrestling insider magazine i write for journal and topics media in the suburbs i write for illinoisbasketball.com I, I run a few things of my own which to occupy way too much more of my extra time so those are all the things well that's it for today's episode thank you all for listening be sure to like subscribe follow the show wherever possible and if you really liked what you heard consider becoming a patreon donor uh, for just three dollars a month it'll help keep the show going if you have anything more to say hit me up on twitter at MaxionPod or via email alex on maction at gmail.com again i'm alex alvarado thanks for listening and i'll talk to you guys on on sunday